Hey Highland, uh, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. My name is Matt Penson. And I am David Sessions. We are so glad you're listening to us today. Seriously, thank you for listening to us. And we know there's so many of you out there, we can tell, while it's just two of us sitting around this little table. It's a crap. Thousands, possibly. It's a Millions, crap. maybe. <laughs> you're out there and we can feel you. Yeah. But and, even if there's just one of you, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, today we're going to continue the conversation we started the last time David and I were talking, uh, where we were talking about deconstruction and kind of ways that we're, we've experienced deconstruction in our own life, yeah. digging for things and uh, figuring out what's true for us. And today we're going to talk about some of those things that we have found to be true in our lives. Yeah, which isn't to say that they're not things that we haven't questioned before or things that um, aren't aren't questionable. I think God can stand up to our questions. But some of the things I'm going to talk about are things that have become so close to my heart that I wouldn't even... I have have no desire to question them anymore. They they have uh, rang true. They've resonated true so deeply uh, that they're, they're what I'm building everything else off of. Yeah. Yeah, and and just a quick disclaimer, we're not saying that these are the things that are absolute truths for Highland. These are the only absolute truths. These are things that we have found in our own lives that make sense of things Yeah, for us or for each of us individually. Maybe what we should say right now is the disclaimer is that uh, no one in leadership at Highland Church of Christ has authorized or okayed us to say anything we're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Was that a was that a song you just did? Yeah, I'm not sure what it was. Okay, I, I don't think it. it was a reference to anything. <laughs> it was just like a, I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything. I'm gonna call it Rebels with a Mic. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's about to get wild. Okay, Matt, so what's something in your life that you are building everything else off of? Yeah, I think for me going forward kind of the mark of am I loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Okay. And the way that I know that is to ask myself, am I loving my neighbor as myself? Mm. Am I loving the person that shows up in front of me? Yeah. And uh, and the second thing would be, is does my life have more goodness? Is my life producing more goodness, kindness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control. Can you do all of them? I don't know. I'm forgetting one. Then, then I was uh, yesterday. Okay, so gentleness, faithfulness. Boy, that's embarrassing. We know what you mean. Yeah, the fruits yeah. of the spirit. Well, just the fruit of the spirit. Well, fruit, fruits, tomato, tomato. <laughs> um, so. That's interesting. So you're um, you're really basing it off of Deuteronomy six, the Shema, Hero Israel. Sure. The Lord your God is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, soul. Um, but then Jesus adds onto that, love your neighbors yourself. And so you're um, you're really basing <clears throat> your experience of God based on how well you are loving and in love with those around you. Yeah, and that's uh, you know that's just kind of for my personal uh, walk, if you want to say. Um, 
because obviously that doesn't get into some of the hard questions that deconstruction addresses. That's just is my uh, kind of outlook for today. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're kind of being too critical. I, I think there are some really important um, steps along the, you know, again, you've heard me say, I think you can substitute deconstruction for faith development. Yeah. Um, you have got to build some structure and then tear that structure down and then build something back on top of it. So for me, all of this is just developmental. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're, I think you're not naming every step along the developmental path or the deconstructive path. But I do think you are starting at the appropriate end. Well, thanks. I'm so like, I mean, I, I'm not trying to just uh, like, I really do think the end, this is because this is what Jesus says, which will be my bedrock is Jesus is the measure by which we understand everything. Um, as a Christian, Jesus actually gives us no other choice. Um, when Jesus says, I am the gateway through God, there's no other way to God except through the Son. I think this is what he's talking about. And from Matthew's gospel, what you're bringing out, what Matthew Penson is bringing out from Matthew's gospel, <laughs> did you see what I did there? Crazy. Is, uh, is maybe even Matthew's central point. Um, to love one another is the sum of the law and the prophets. Yeah. And in, in John's gospel, uh, where he says to his disciples at, at the Last Supper is, I'm going to give you a tenth, uh, an 11th commandment. Love one another as I've loved you. And so, yeah, there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of points along the path that are necessary and get us there. And I think those are really worthwhile. But I, I don't think you're being overly simple at all. Yeah. I think a lot of the ammo for uh, ex-evangelical movement or mm-hmm. uh, people deconstructing and setting mm-hmm. faith as a whole thing aside yeah, would be people claiming uh, claiming Christ and claiming to walk in, and not following that commandment. Yeah, for uh, sure. And so, you know, I want my life and our life here as a church yeah to be rooted in loving one another and loving our neighbor as ourselves when i am in a not good place and i'm kind of feeling angry or tired or whatever i can get really really cynical about people who are their zeal for jesus comes out in something other than love yeah however um, when i'm when i'm calmer and in a better place and even more gracious with myself and others. I think what I realize is that those people are also in a developmental stage of their faith. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about middle schoolers, the way I was able to understand middle schoolers is middle schoolers are engineers in the way they think. They need the structure. They need uh, everything needs to fit. They need to be a place for everything. And then high schoolers become philosophers. They're really okay with the abstract and... Um, they, they're starting to learn that the structures sometimes don't always add up. Yeah. And I don't mean to be negative about people, but some people are still in the engineering phase. Yeah. And that may be because they came to faith later. It may be because for a thousand different things. But 
some people really just need still need everything to to fit and so uh, they have a hard time reading the bible other than uh, they have a hard time reading everything in the bible other than something other than hyper literally and i could be ugly to those people i could look down my nose at them or i could just realize i was there at one point too sure and there's a place for that there's an appropriate place for that and not loving them will not teach them right <laughs> about uh, how love is actually the cornerstone of all of Jesus's structure yeah um i'll show my hand a little bit here and uh father richard roars um daily email this morning said some said a line that was so good it said he he said uh, i used to tell people how do you become a Christian is by meeting one uh, because you really can't become a follower of Jesus unless you see Jesus in someone's life. Mm -hmm. In the same way, I don't think that you can really become a more developed, more mature Christian unless you are around someone who's a more loving yeah. Christian. I, it is possible to be a follower of Jesus and miss out on love. Right. The way that we teach people about uh, love being the cornerstone of all Jesus's message, ethos, person is by loving those people who aren't acting very loving in the name of Christ. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, it kind of in the same way that you're talking about when when I see people who. Uh, who are, are acting out their faith in a way that's not loving. I think about there's there's basically two ways to grow loyalty or there's two ways to bring about change in a person. And uh, those are, are love and yeah. fear. Yeah. And uh, fear is... The, the problem with fear is it's very effective for a while. For a while, um, yeah. And I think that's part of what we see also in deconstruction is that at some point people have to stop being afraid yeah, and reevaluate things. Yeah. And the yeah. only people who don't go through that deconstruction are people who keep the fear with them their whole lives. And those people become really dangerous. <laughs> well, a dangerous, also sad. Sad. Um, and again, I'm not looking down my nose at folks. I genuinely feel compassionate sadness towards people who get to the end of the life and are like, I hope I did enough for oh. God to love me. Yeah. And look, there's I've a been whole there. generation of people. There's a whole generation of people dying and, and asking that question on their deathbeds. And, and I can be really enlightened and say something like that on the podcast. And then there's still moments in my week where I'm like, boy, I don't know if I'm doing enough for God. Yeah. And it doesn't always come out that articulately. Sometimes I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm a failure and I'm not being effective enough. Yeah. What I'm really saying is I haven't earned God's love very well lately. Um, and so the question I'm sitting with right now is, as opposed to earning and, and saving church as church seems to be heading towards uh, some sort of death and hopefully rebirth. And, and I can't do enough to save it is, the question I'm sitting with is, is it enough for God if I just love the people God puts in front of me? Yeah. And I know the answer is yes. Right. Uh, intellectually, I know the answer is yes. 
I'm still letting myself get there emotionally that it's okay to just love the people that God puts in my life. Yeah. That's enough for us to do. It's maybe what we were designed to do. Yeah, right, right. Um, but we've got to overcome a lot of cultural training to do to, to the other side of that, um, yeah. which is you've got to <clears throat> you've got to make your existence matter. Yeah. So. Okay, so love. Love is your love is basically the bedrock for me. The cornerstone. Love. Uh, love the person in front of you. Love your neighbor. Yeah. And by doing that. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, I totally agree. I think that's really wise. Okay, Matt, ask me. Ask me. Ask me. David. Don't make me dance. <laughs> Don't make me sing. Uh, David, what is is a truth for you that you have found that you're basing things on? Okay. You're building new yeah. things on. Forgive me. This is going to be a very predictable and cliche answer, but... Let me let me uh, say it and then um, tell you why. The Trinity, that God is three and one, uh, that God is in ever giving, ever loving, ever changing, responding to itself relationship. I would not have guessed. I would not. I would not think that that is a cliche or obvious answer. Well, it's very, um, it's very on brand, shall we say, for a minister to say the Trinity. But the Trinity, to me, has become so precious because it is a truth that um, is so much deeper than any argument. It's so much deeper than any math problem of what does it mean to be three, but also one. Um, it's, it, it is bigger than even these like really dense, theologically rich, which I love conversations about, um, you know, what is the substance of each person and then the person of each, I I don't want to get into all that today. I'll probably end up saying something wrong because, um, I still am just grasping and understanding all that. But for me, the truth of the Trinity is that from even before creation, God exists in relationship, mm-hmm. in loving, dynamic, self-giving, self-offering love. And that out of that dynamic, because before there was the word Trinity, there was the word perichoresis. I'm going to quote Richard Orr twice in one day. I'm no. sorry. Uh, he, he says perichoresis could be considered dancing around, right? Peri is where we get the word. Uh, around and choresis or, or where we get the word choreography, but also gifts. Also, um, grace is also from that word. So this, this grace, gracedness, this grace dance, this gifting dance, um, there's this, this energy in the, between the persons of God that are never, um, so competing that they stop becoming one, they're they're always existing as one, as like one unit, but they are distinct. And what comes out of that energy is the very creation of the world. Mm-hmm. God, uh, uh, God the Son is also sometimes called God Logos or the Word, and God, Creator God, speaks the world speaks the world into existence by using a word. Mm-hmm. 
let there be light in the Hebrew is actually one word. It's the command, light, in the imperative to exist. And so when God created light, it wasn't three words. It was one word. It was the word. So that, that relationship, that Trinitarian relationship exists before creation, but it's like almost like the energy, the love within itself bubbles over and God can't help but speak. And boom, a word comes out. And even before the sun exists, light exists without any source other than the source of God's love for God's self. And when we talk about the missio day or the mission of God, that's when it starts. God sends God's self to the world first in a word to create the world. And then from then until now, until the, the end, the big capital E end, God, not, God never stops sending God's self to the world for the world's good because the love of God is so great for itself that it just basically spills over. And when the world is terrible and broken and hurtful and I think really, really badly of myself and others, the idea of the Trinity as the base truth of the world where, where you where you started is love mm -hmm. and the love that is so great in its energy that it created everything we've ever seen or felt or touched or smelled is like okay the the root of the world is love the end of the world is love everything i've ever experienced from there till now is love and of course there's sometimes where I have experienced some things that have been other than God's great creative love, but I believe that that love will win out in the end yeah. and that I get to participate in that great project of love now. That's, that's what everything for me is being built off of and never, it's never going to get stripped away because it's too good. It's too yeah. hopeful. Yeah. That the, I like that that the base of the universe is the for like the force that binds us together. It sounds very Star Warsy. <laughs> yeah. But uh is the love flowing between God the Father, God the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right. It, it, emerging from there spilling onto us. Mhm. Mm yeah. And and as it does continuing to create continuing to forgive, continuing to restore. It's everything we need, right? Um, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I think that it's not just the literal words that give us instructions that they do, they give us hope, they do, but I think it's every every time the word falls from the mouth of God. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Uh, we both are coming from kind of different, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like my answer was a very, kind of a practical <laughs> today. What are you saying? Mine wasn't? No. Well, <laughs> but it's like a very practical, like I'm going to love the person in front of me. Mm -hmm. And yours is coming from this huge kind of cosmic, uh, you know, the beginnings of everything is base, but yeah. they're both pointing at the same thing, which is love. Exactly. Exactly. 
And so that redefines, and maybe this is where this podcast ends and the next one begins, but for me, that redefines the cross. Mm-hmm. So the way we're taught, we're taught about the cross traditionally is something that we call now penal substitutionary atonement theory. Penal meaning God needed someone to punish. Yeah. Uh, penal substitute. Jesus is our substitute. And because God is using him. Jesus to penalize us, to be our substitute, we are now atoned at one with God. Uh, that's pretty recent. And it's pretty uh, misses the point, I think. Yeah. If the Trinity is the root truth of the world. Here's how I see the cross now. Obviously, there is elements of the world uh, that I would call sin, big capital S sin, the brokenness of the world, not just the bad little things we do and think, that works against the Trinity, Mm -hmm. works against God's creation, loving goodness. And sin from Genesis on is not primarily the bad little things we do and think, but violence. God hates violence because God's creative and violence is anti-creative. That that might even be close to why we have a hard time seeing the cross as anything other than penal substitutionary time. Mm -hmm. So if we look at, if we look at the cross as, so, so here's kind of, here's a way to think about it. In the cross, something predictable happens, and then a miracle happens. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe a miracle happens, and then something predictable happens. But there's going to be an element of predictability and an element of miracle. Yeah. In penal substitutionary atonement theory, the, the miracle comes first. Jesus agrees mm-hmm. to accept the punishment God needed. Yeah. And that love for us is inspiring. It's miraculous. But then something predictable happens. And then he died because God needed that. Mm-hmm. That predictable part I have a problem with. Like the part that God needed that? Right. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily line up with this idea of Trinity that created the world out of abounding, overflowing love, forgiveness, mm-hmm. dy- dynamism. Um, but if we look at it the other way around, if we look at something predictable happens, the world is violent, people do not follow the way of God, and instead of loving, giving, self-sacrificial goodness, people take and they rob and they beat others to get ahead and protect themselves. And if you magnify that times 100, what you get is the, is the evilness of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. So when someone good comes along, that his sheer goodness threatens the structure of the Holy Roman Empire. Sorry, I shouldn't say Holy Roman Empire. One, that's also, that comes later. The regular Roman when Empire. They, when they become followers of Jesus um, in name. Uh, but, but when it threatens the, the ancient Roman Empire, something predictable happens. They kill him mm-hmm. because that's what they did to everyone that threatened the supremacy of the empire. Then the miracle happens. God's love was stronger. Yeah. God's love for God's self, for, for the word, for the son, 
was stronger than violence and death and God, God's love reversed our greatest enemy, death, and then even turned death into something other than our enemy. Yeah. So for me, that order of things squares better with the Trinity. Than the, the formula that... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the Trinity, the, the cross is for me less about uh, God is just like every other ruler. God needs death to be appeased. Instead, the reality of the broken world is that uh, everything seems at times to work against God's love. And in the end, love will win out. Mm-hmm. And that comes back to your original thing, that love is the strongest thing in the world. And that love is the greatest thing, to love the person in front of me. And so when we think about Jesus as like, was, was, like Jesus was a victim. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to stop this and, um, and said, no, um, I'm I'm not going to be subject to this. But in faith, Jesus succumbed to the violence of the world. Because I think Jesus knew that God's love was going to win out. Yeah. And it was this, this inbreaking mm-hmm. of life into the story of the world where the only other narrative up to that point had been death. Death wins out eventually. Yeah. Violence wins out eventually. Death comes for us all. Death comes for us all. And, and it will, but now because of Jesus and because of love. We don't have to be afraid of it. And there's life after it. Yeah. We we move from life to deeper life. Yeah. And that's one of those things that's like, do you ever wonder what Christianity today, the things that we could do if we lived our lives without a fear? Yeah. The way the first century Christians did. Or or lived in the con your faith being bigger than your fear. Yeah. And you wonder, like, I mean, their fear was very real. Like, yeah, we will be murdered. Yeah. And you wonder, like, do do our stakes need to be higher mm. for us to really, you know, our fears, our fears are much smaller. Yeah. My if I'm honest in this deal, will I not make quite as much money as I would if I? Right. Or are people going to listen to this podcast and think David's off his rocker? Uh Right, like that's are people gonna not like me, Matt? Yeah, that's that. Sometimes that's my biggest fear. People don't like me. I have to do discipleship work, following Jesus' work, way of Jesus' work, to get over that fear. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, I ask myself uh, sometimes if I was a first-century follower of Jesus, would the threat of death be too much? And I'm really afraid of the answer. Yeah, uh, and so I, I'm I'm the biggest of all hypocrites. Uh, but I do think it's work. I think it's really important to work, but it's work to get to a place where the thing that's defining our life is our participation in the Trinitarian love and everything else comes our, just, just in a second. Yeah, and almost just our acceptance of that flow into our lives. So did we just make two podcasts or did we just make one podcast? I think we made one. Um you know, listening to you talk about this stuff, it makes me feel like it's a shame that not everybody can have, you know, a, a deep theological education in a university setting. Yeah. 
I am so grateful that I went to ACU's Master's of Divinity program, had my world turned upside down with Mark Hamilton's Intro to the New Testament class, Intro to the Old Testament class pretty quickly, and then continued going to that class twice a week and asking tough questions in such a safe environment with someone who um, you know, told us that, yeah, he studied himself out of faith, he studied himself back into faith, and so not only got to ask really hard questions, but had really kind, compassionate, but wise answers. Uh, I had no idea at the time how fortunate I was to have holes poked into my very weak understanding of Scripture and faith and how it all worked, because that faith did need to die. Yeah. Um, and I'm very, very privileged. Oh Are gosh. you kidding me? That is my fault. Are guys. you joking me right now? Is this so amateur anyway, hour? Before you go on forever, let me just say. <laughs> 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 so, like, you were very fortunate that you got to walk in a safe place with people who had walked this path before. Yes. And I'm aware now that uh, not everyone gets to have that. A lot of people are having their deconstruction happen, and it's kind of scary because they don't know if there's a resource close by or if there's a compassionate community that will let, mm -hmm. let them ask those hard questions. And so I do think this is one of those things that we're wanting to be. It's just Yeah, that's been one of my favorite things about the podcast so, so far is getting to, to talk with people who are also walking that path, have walked that path. Um, and one thing that I hope this podcast and, and our church at Highland can be is a, a safe place where people are okay with hard questions and and will walk with people who have those questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. And it's really been a sweet space to occupy to, to get to have these conversations with yeah. people that Highland's going to get to hear coming up here. That's right. We've got a few coming up that I'm excited for everyone to hear. All right. So what's happening current events wise? <laughs> <laughs> Just so we can date this. No current events. Yeah, don't speak of current events. There's a fire. There's a fire. Ooh, the mesquite heat the fire. The mesquite heat fire. Keep that in your prayers. Yeah. This isn't funny. But I think the Texas A&M Forest Department has a way with words. For sure. The mesquite heat fire. Mesquite heat fire. That's catchy. It just punches so well. It's catchy, but we need to put it out. Okay, bye Highland. <laughs>